You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever wondered what makes an int lively? Does do trees have hearts? And should we be pastoring our trees? Hey guys, happy Arbor Day. We're getting into the lore of Ents, Ent Wives, Aurons. I'm super excited. We're going to talk about their part of the Lord of the Rings story and the overall narrative of Arda and Middle-earth. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest of the Geeks. I am Joshua Knoll. Um, I'm here I'm here with a couple people. A couple people. This is really exciting. Uh, also, other host, Will Rose, is here. And we both decided to bring a friend. So I'm going to introduce my friend first, one of my my favorite bearded theologians, um, the the host of my favorite seminary podcast, uh, Brandon Knight of My Seminary Life. How's it going, man? Hi, diddly ho there, neighborinos. (laughs) Yeah. And for those who didn't catch it, he is a return guest and one of the original hosts of this podcast. So do a big celebration woot woot to hear that voice again. (laughs) I think he deserves a horn of Gondor. God, that's yes. yes. Absolutely. That's what that's what this podcast has been missing. Great sound effects. <laughs> that's, that's right. true. Trip brings it. Trip brings it. Hello, everyone. Um, I am uh, Wilbo Baggins, or for this particular uh, podcast, I am Old Man Willow. And uh, I am very excited to introduce uh, first time on Systematic Ecology. A friend of mine who is one of the biggest uh, Tolkien nerds that I that I know, and, and that is uh, Trip Fuller, host of Homebrew Christianity. How are you doing, Trip? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Will. Uh, I mean, I'm a little irritated. Nick became like an official member of Systematic Geekology, and I hadn't <laughs> right? been a guest yet. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> there, have been, there have been times when we've tried, but, you know, schedules and all that. And, you know, since Nick has been on and plugged Talking Heads, we had to get the other Talking Head uh, here on the podcast, especially when we talk about Ant. So we're very excited that you're a part of this. And I and I will I will say that, like, Trip uh, is – his, his legend is out there because he was one of the first to do podcasts. And some people call him the podfather uh, because he, he, he kind of helped start this whole thing that we're doing podcasts. So it is it's pretty – I'm pretty stoked to have, have Trip on here. And, and it was not that long ago on a, like a icy, snowy night in North Carolina when it was sleeting just a little bit. And I went to one of his live podcasts. And uh, because it was just barely sleeting, North Carolina people stay home. And they go out and get milk. And there wasn't a lot of people at this podcast, <laughs> live podcast. But I was able to meet Trip for the first time. And we had a beer. And, and we were sitting there talking, and all of a sudden we started having a conversation about Star Wars, and I went, oh, oh, I think we just became geek buddies. No, I knew you were Force-sensitive and all. And he knew I was Force-sensitive. And and so then, then like, uh, we started having conversations about, like, faith and science and did events together. And I've been on his podcast talking about God Loves Geeks, and we even had a conversation with Jason Aaron, the author of one of the greatest runs on Thor ever written. And and then, and then he had uh, – Theology Beer Camp here at my congregation, where I was there at that event that Trip actually brought Joshua and I into the same room together. We saw each other for the first time live. We weren't just like pictures behind the screen. We we met each other in person. We were real live people. So, so we have Trip to thank for that. It's also where we met Nick, the other member of Systematic Ecology and Tolkien Heads as well. And I'll just have to ask. So Tolkien, we know I, Trip, we know that you're a big Tolkien fan. We know Brandon's uh, fandoms, like the top fandoms. If not, you can click on the host tab and go down and see all the episodes that Brandon's been a part of. But, but other than Tolkien, what would you say, Trip, is your like top fandom? 
Star Wars. Okay. I, but I really like I really like uh I really like Tolkien and uh thinking back to that, you know, that first night where we met, Will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh whenever I remember that somehow this is what comes to mind. Give me the meat and give it to me raw. Right from Rings <laughs> of Power. And I thought, whoa. Well <laughs> Yeah, yes, Nick made a soundboard of Tolkien related things for my recording device, so I just just may hit them randomly. Oh, no, thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Nick. That, that is fantastic. We're glad you're here. Glad you're here. But there's oh, only yeah. one man that I want to share raw meat with, and it's Wilbo Baggins. Wilbo Baggins. <laughs> I'll try not to be too too offended. Um, you know, it's fine. I, That's right. We'll, we'll bring you some mead. We'll bring you some mead and some ale. And yeah. uh, I still want the beer. meat, though. Okay. Oh, uh, man. I, um, yeah, guys, I, I'm excited to do this one. I love the ants and i did not think it was possible to have that much to say about ants until i made the outline to talk about ants and i'm like man how are we going to do this in 40 minutes but the answer is we probably won't uh but this is the main conversation um <laughs> really excited to dig into this um first things first guys what was your first introduction to the ants was it the books the movies the silmarillion random meme of Treebeard? how did how did you encounter them first uh let's start with brandon uh, it was most likely the movies, um, although I do think we also growing up had like a h- how to draw book for children of like mythical creatures and trees were in there with faces. But like proper introduction was more than likely through the films. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Will. Yeah, I um, I can't remember. Were Ents a part of like the like Tolkien 1970s cartoons? Were they were they like in bed? I know I saw the Hobbit saw in the seventies when I was a kid. They're man, they're like I don't think they're all on YouTube, but there's clippets you can kind of piece together the whole story. And Nick brought up that that the cartoons were part of his introduction uh, to to Lord of the Rings, and I went. I was like, I remember seeing that as a kid, and went back and watched, and they're fantastic. So I don't, I couldn't remember if the ends were part of that, but I do know, like reading the book for the first time, I was like, man, the ends are one of my favorite characters of of all this entire mythology. And then when the movies were getting ready to come out, all I could say is like, I can't wait to see how they portray them. The ends, like, we've got the technology, the CGI technology can now is now ready to portray the ends rightfully. So I was like, I cannot wait to see how that unfolds. I had to wait a whole movie, I think. I had to wait till the two towers, I think. But yeah. then um, yeah. <laughs> um, I had to wait years. But but that was my first intro. I remember reading the book and then like not waiting, can't wait to see how how they how Peter Jackson does it. Yeah. All right, trip. Oh, it was role playing games in middle school. Uh my uh one of my friends that was game master added an int as a as a you know one of the one of the characters he was controlling and i'm like what is this and he's like have you read the hobbit and i was like no and he's like you got to read it then i'm like he's like i was like there's no trees he goes no no it's in the next one and then i started (laughs) lord of the rings and uh i'm like oh this is what i'm talking about and the this was an environmentalist dent but uh talked a lot faster than they do in the book and the in the movie you know but yeah yeah I I'm not a hundred percent sure on mine. It was either the movie or a video game. I think it was the movie, but I know that I definitely played a game once where it, like there was an option to unlock tree beard. And I was like, who's that? So naturally I put in the code to unlock that guy. And I could just go around as this giant tree and just slaughter armies of orcs. And I was like, this is 
freaking awesome. <laughs> um, I, I still I went and bought a PS3 with like a the PS2 game because you can't buy PS2s anymore. A few years back, just to replay a game that I could be in it during because it was it's just that much fun. Um, nice. By the way, Lord of the Rings Conquest. It's Star Wars Battlefront, but Lord of the Rings totally worth your time. Um, but I know I saw it in the movie and I know when I saw the into the movie, that's actually part of what got me to read the books. Cause I was like, not, not a huge reader at the time. And I was just, I want to know more about these guys. What's, what's going on here. And, uh, yeah, I, I've weirdly always had a thing for like trees and plants. And I'm very like, I'm probably the definition of a tree hugger. Like, like if you like look it up in an encyclopedia, I might have a picture of me there. Maybe we'll see. Mm, <laughs> um, mm. but yeah, that, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, one of the things I found really interesting when I read the books was how Tolkien described what made the Ents lively or what gave them heart. Because he talks a lot about how like some of them you could tell had more heart than others or less heart. And some of the trees would slowly – some of the Ents would slowly become more like trees and some of the trees would become more like Ents because of their heart. And what was interesting is he even describes it's not necessarily the ones that were young or most fit trees. It was the trees that had the most to them. So there would be some that looked like they were decaying or bit weird ways or doing crazy stuff, but they still were more alive. They had more heart than the other trees. Basically, the way that he he tells it in The Two Towers, which you learn more if you when we get to the Silmarillion stuff later on, but it, it seems a lot like the Ents are the ones with the most heart, and then some of them slowly become more tree-like and become Huarns, and then some of the trees are becoming more Ent-like, and they become these things called Huarns, which are basically – Trees that move but can't quite talk and walk like the ants yet. So I, I just I love all the mythology behind it. Um, what do you what do you guys think as far as like that whole what is the message behind it of what makes a tree more lively? Is he actually talking about trees or is he talking about something deeper there or maybe a little bit of both? Well, I think part of what Tolkien's doing largely with Middle Earth is setting up uh, a mythology that our world today could have happened before it and one of the i mean even the function of say the hobbits right at the beginning of lord of the rings and you get the story of the hobbits it's like yeah yeah well you know there used to be a lot more of them they were bigger than and this kind of thing so there's this uh and then you get the the leaving of of elves and this kind of stuff so if you think of what the ints are in a world where you know uh you, you get tree beard or uh is you know one of the two characters that are the <laughs> created and they're the longest um, uh, is this disappearance of fairy over time and the rise of the age of men and whether or not men have matured to the point to take responsibility as the most powerful creatures um, in Middle Earth. And so I think the, uh, the liveliness, if you put it in that space, the kind of like dwindling of liveliness the disappearance of the int wives and all that kind of stuff uh is setting up for why he is someone who genuinely loves the deep forest and the wildness of of uh uh, uh you know life in the forest de depressed about a growing industrialization of um the uk countryside and the destruction of nature in world war one which he knew intimately uh the the like to then ask the question around liveliness right in an age where uh this kind of conscious spoken uh can interact with humans uh space there i think gives us something like uh there is a deeper life even in the trees to the nature around you uh that's under threat 
and the liveliness, what, it, what functions for the more lively in Lord of the Rings is they're actually better at shepherding, better at stewarding, better at protecting uh, the forest. So, I, um, yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that's, it's one really weird once when I've reread it, because I had always been under the impression based off, you know, what you hear in churches all the time is that Lord of the Rings is basically just about selfishness and sin and throwing the ring in is the whole sin thing. And eventually you might hear something about it being World War One. But I, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan as well. And at one point, Lewis talks about it and he goes, actually, the point of Lord of the Rings was to be anti-industrialist. And, you know, he's not Tolkien himself. So who's to say how much that is? But even like when you think of war and how much how Tolkien viewed it was almost as an extension of industrialism. Like it's just the industry of war. And I don't know. It's really telling when you look at Saruman and the Ents. How Saruman, as he grew more evil, is burning trees down, digging up the trees to make the orcs, even just for some reason, just keep attacking the white trees, just convincing kings that they should cut it down and burn it. And it's like, why? (laughs) You know, like it just seems like such a pointless thing. When he mentions uh, it's like he adds on like, you know, I'm already pissed enough. He's cutting down some of my favorite trees and burning them. But sometimes he sends the orc out to cut them down and leave them. Where he's yeah. like, this is where bad it is. It's not, he can't even, he can't even use it all. He's just cutting it down. Uh, just being, being a little, uh, being a little obsessed with his, uh, with his ax, getting too, getting too uh, eager, uh, right. eager to cleaver. And, and I, and I think like the, the question of liveliness is just, again, it's like, what, what is it that animates you? So I think that kind of parabolic or metaphor of what is it that animates us and gives us life and gives us heart. And so, and, and again, like uh, it's, it's a prog- progress. It's, it's a, it's a growth. It's, and I, and what I admire about the ints is this sense of like longevity that, and, and patience and deliberateness when it comes to them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if, if you're in a fast paced world where you just need to have everything at the moment, my favorite part of their depiction is that like, they're going to take their time and deliberate. There's no sense of urgency, even though it's important, mm-hmm. they know it's important they're going to shepherd but but they're going to they're going to take their time they're going to be deliberate they're going to think through this and and be wise and that old wise tree tree beard's been around the world and seen so much <laughs> way more than yep. anybody else has ever seen and witnessed that is what that kind of sense that brings them liveliness and wisdom to say like let's deliberate and think through what our next steps are even if those steps take an extra long time <laughs> to, to yeah. take two two or three steps one of my favorite comedy bits in the book is Treebeard keeps like talking. He's like, well, I would tell you an intish, but that would take several days. I'll speak your tongue. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, man, it's just so funny. Like even their language takes forever. Um, and when I'm, when I'm thinking of like the liveliness, I, I like to hike a lot. I'm, I'm like really into nature kind of stuff. Um, and one Island I go to Cumberland Island, I go, I visit enough that I know the spots and there are a couple trees that I'm like, that's one of my trees. Like there's one tree that TJ and I and some, friends have just sat in this tree and played bocce ball from the tree. And it's like, that's like a place to me. That thing has its own life, its own energy. And I'm like, I love that spot. Um, There's another one where it looks like a bunch of dead trees kind of that are growing out of the ground, but it completely changes the ambiance and the feel of that area. Like that's where the vultures go for some reason. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely something about nature where like, even though maybe that's not the youngest in the most lively tree, it still has its own personality. And I think that's something that as Tolkien mm. loved nature that he's probably getting at there too. 
Well, I think the the, the conversation of personality that's that's a good word because I grew up at the beach. I had no and mm-hmm. uh, women on the coast. I had no trees around me, but I would go each summer up to the North Carolina mountains for for summer camp. And that week at camp, hiking the mountains and seeing the trees was just a different environment. It had its own personality. And then I went back to be a camp counselor, spending it all summer, and that was really the first time and first time I really sat down with these books and read them. And I'm reading about mm-hmm. the Ents while I'm in the forest, uh, leading camp and trying to shepherd uh, campers around and try to. Uh, ask questions about what gives them life and what what animates them and what's important and how to live in community all those things together were kind of intertangled and there is this of course um symbiotic uh, relationship with trees without them we wouldn't be mm-hmm. and then they were before us and so we we help each one another and so i think all those questions uh Tolkien really really leaned into especially when it comes to like power and how the the abuse of power and then the the stewardship of of environment yeah. Well, even think, if you, um, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, even if you think of like the the life cycle stuff, like as a tree dies and composes, you know, new stuff grows there. Like even in death, it seems to have life. You know, kind of has, has its own energy. And yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons that uh, I I really want to have my my own body compost, which is something you can do now. You just have your yeah. body turned to dirt, and it's really rich soil. And I'm like, yeah, I just like this idea of life coming out of even what seems like death. And I think that's part of what he was hinting at here, maybe. Well, the the uh, the way you get introduced to the Ents in Lord of the Rings um, is so much how these two hobbits who have to they the Ents have to one believe they're not they're not orcs and uh, get convinced <laughs> and then they're going to deliberate uh, deliberate and um, you're not going to be too hasty and you're going to have to hang yeah. out with Quick Beam <laughs> and like there's this there's this whole process of uh, will the Ents who've been around the whole time uh, acknowledge what's happening in their history and be a part of it or not? And will they even do they even have a register for knowing who the hell a Hobbit is? Right. And like, mm-hmm. how do these stories connect? And and that's there. And then the Hobbits, like they think they're about to die. Right. When they when they meet Treebeard, I would be yeah. scared. Uh, it Heck still yeah. creeps me out when that mm-hmm. when he first shows up, and you're like, I know he's going to end up being a good guy, but um, <laughs> so the the like you you even get right in there um, this sense that there is wildness in the world. There, it, the world's untamed, and we don't have it all mastered and mapped out. Um, I think part of what happens when uh, when humanity especially in the west which is the reference point for lord of the rings when you get to an agriculture the agricultural revolution then human beings get settled in particular places and then their cultures develop their what they eat develops by what grows there and and life gets so determined by the seasons and everything in particular places but also yeah. what happens in the agricultural revolution is you see uh, over time when when humans start building farms uh, and not just hunting, roaming, gathering, uh, then you see the death of wild places and big fauna, like big animals, things that have us on their menu. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings, you have these areas that are tame and safe. Think the Shire. They can't even imagine something yeah. bad happening. Um, <laughs> and if you even know somebody who goes anywhere near something bad happening, then you're like, they're sketch. Uh, and then you have um, like Fanghorn Forest and uh, and you find out from Elrond that the three big forests, you know, in Middle Earth, they you a squirrel used to be able to run from tree to tree across all three of them. 
And what was it that destroyed the connection between the three forests? What was it that encroached upon it? It was civilization. And yeah. so the, when you think of Tolkien sitting here uh, wrestling with what is an origin story for uh, a mytho mythological origin story for my people that actually frames the challenges of his time, um, the, World War One was – uh, the like, oh, yeah. what happens when our identities are attached to particular lands that we seek to control? You get all the different treaties and all these things, but then what happens? We create slaughter rows uh, in in trench warfare. Uh, uh, whole places get destroyed. We're not no longer just taming the land to eat. Uh, it, we're filling it up with the dead bodies of our machines. And so like the growth of power of the machine gets used against the earth, just like it gets used against the poor uh, who are um, mm. fodder in in uh, the the machine, like in the industrial uh, factories and in the war. And so this mm. this tension for him um, is one that's over against the dominant Western idea where uh, we want more control. We're going to use science and our technology and all these things to control everything around us to keep us safe. In Lord of the Rings, the Ents show you like, actually, what if the grace comes in because of wild spaces where it's too lively for humans to tame it all, where your map doesn't have actually have everything in it. And anyway, that's, that to me is one yeah. of the things about the Ents is it, the grace of nature when our account of it doesn't even have space for all of it. Um, that can oh, get yeah. extended to consciousness, to species that are being eliminated. There's tons of parts of it, but mm -hmm. I think that I, I had never thought about that, the notion of liveliness, but it really resonates with uh, a ton of the themes I dig about Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. And we're talking about like the agricultural stuff. That's when we get to the Ent Wives in a second. Man, oh, yeah, that, that conversation really gets a yeah. Um, but but I did I did want to real quick when we're talking about the Ents. One of the things because we talked about the movies already. I really liked how Treebeard looked, but I was slightly disappointed when all the Ents showed up. It did look cool, but part of what the book says that I was really looking forward to, or I guess you know, looking forward to the second time I saw it because I've already you know whatever. Part of what I thought I wish was in the movie. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, Pit, Mary and Pippin were taken back at how different all the Ents looked. Because some were, you know, the real thin, tiny trees with smooth bark. And some were the big ones like it beard with like, you know, tree beard with all the like moss and stuff growing on them. And it said there was an int from every species of tree. So my brain immediately went to what int would I most look forward to seeing? And I got to say, a wild oak int sounds awesome. I would love that. I would absolutely <laughs> adore it. <laughs> um, you wanted to see your favorite yeah, tree yeah. embodied into an yeah. int. Well, gotcha, that or yeah. like a cherry blossom, a cherry blossom int. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do y'all have any like dogwood? like dogwood. if you could see okay dogwood dogwood are those yeah. even native trees to the UK? I, I, who cares? <laughs> Every oh, tree just, has an. I'm just thinking he wouldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't. No, no, those wouldn't be there. But no, no, I want them there. <laughs> the North Carolina state Wild flower, oak, the dogwood, uh, yeah. it is also a tree. Yeah. Um, That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. What if there's like a like a fruit tree that way? <laughs> Uh, uh, it said some of them had like some of the in wives would grow fruit. Bananas. Yeah. So I mean, oh, really? Yeah, that'd be a really, funny one. <laughs> really, like a really some tropical tree where you know none of them have ever seen it before, and all of a sudden like coconuts are flying out at orcs. You're like, <laughs> what is yeah. this? What is? I just this? I just imagine like a a really Jamaican like palm tree like. Like, That's right. Like South Florida. Like South he's Florida like well, the whole reason he wasn't there is he's just like, man, nah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying right sun. here on the beach. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny stuff.
So, so one of the things I, I did want to get to, because if we're going to talk about the Ents, I want to start with where they began. Um, Nick and I both have said we we love the Silmarillion. It's actually probably my favorite of Tolkien's books because it's just so like detailed, and I I'm, I love detail. Even though I don't like usually I don't like reading stuff that's just like dry like that. When it comes to Middle Earth, it's just Arda stuff. It's like it's a whole another world, literally. Are you a big um, fan this, of the Book of Numbers? You know, actually, yeah. Actually, I'm really into Leviticus, oddly. <laughs> I have a lot of like, you can see like these different theological points being made and everybody's just missing it because Leviticus is boring. And I'm like, that's that's for a different podcast, man. That's for a different. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> the Silmarillion, it has, a, I think it's like, it's either the second or third chapter, but it's of Ola and Yavanna. Am I saying Ola right or is it Ale? Do you know? I think if you say it with a straight face, no one knows. It's just like yeah, pronouncing yeah. weird things with. in the Bible. Yeah, that's yeah. when people ask me, like, that's how do you pronounce I this? I just say it fast and confidently and people won't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say Allah because it sounds sort of like what the audiobook I was listening to earlier said. <laughs> yeah, and they were getting That's, that's how you cheat. You got, you got to do the audiobooks. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, Allah and Yavana. So it, the way the story unfolds, um, for those who don't know, um, basically all of creation was made by Eru, Eru Iluvatar. Um, one of the gods, Valor, whatever you want to call them, is Ara, Ana, Ana, who knows? That guy, he creates the dwarves because he gets impatient waiting on the men and elves that he knows is going to come eventually. And he's kind of worried because Morgoth, the evil Valar, is kind of starting chaos. And he's like, well, someone needs to be here to defend this stuff. And he's impatient. He can't wait for Iluvatar's plan. He creates mm-hmm. the dwarves. Uh, he kind of gets in trouble and ends up basically having to have the dwarves sleep under rocks until the men and elves come around first because the doctor said, no, those are mine. They're coming first. Um, but because of the nature of the dwarves, they're hardy because, you know, he was afraid. He made them out of fear. So he made them tough, sturdy, all of this kind of stuff. But they're also very industrial minded, not the same way as the orcs necessarily, but they're going to tear down the trees. His wife is Yavanna, the god of the trees. And she's like, what the heck, man? <laughs> yeah, bad, really bad yeah. move for quality yeah. home life. <laughs> yeah. So she goes kind of behind his back, talks to one of the other Valor. I forget who exactly, but he has like a mediator go to Ilavatar and get permission to create the Ents as shepherds, as protectors um, of the trees. And I think the way it was worded was that they can speak on behalf of all of nature and defend the trees. Like and the Laura shepherd, but cooler. Is. Lorax, yeah. cooler. Uh, oh, so Lorax Seuss got his idea from Tolkien. <laughs> so Doctor Seuss, I'll never put that together. Yeah. Dag, yeah. Doctor Seuss, ends, the kick-ass the, Lorax. <laughs> we're serving you with a copyright lawsuit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I always I thought the the creation story of of especially since this is our year of origins on systematic ecology, I always find creation stories particularly telling of the purpose of a thing. So kind of seeing that the Ents are the shepherds, and they were created for defense, more or less. Um, and, you know, Tolkien definitely equates shepherd to pastor in his own theology. What do we think this tells us about his views of what a shepherd or what a, um, a pastor even is supposed to be like? Oh, Trip, I'm, I'm going to let you answer that one. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, well, I think part of what, uh, w- what you get there is that with the generation of some kind of new power, even if it has a good purpose, come 
it comes with the the same power generates potential for good or ill. Take the you know the creation of the dwarves. Oh, we have this threat. Um, uh, we look. We don't even have Sauron yet. It's the OG bad guy. We got to be prepared. Blah 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 blah. You get all that uh, going. And we need someone to defend. We just get some dwarves out here. Uh, Iluvatar being a little slow. Come on, you got to pick up the pep. Maybe you want to raise the tempo of your little creation song, buddy. And, uh, you know, trying to help him out. And <laughs> and and you notice, right, though, the uh, Iluvatar doesn't ultimately destroy the dwarves, but actually gives them the gift of life because only yeah. Iluvatar can. And so the, the but with the introduction of more power at play, all of them function for good or for ill. Right. And so this defensive move of uh, the dwarves creators partner goes, but what about the trees? Right. And I think one of the things you regularly see when you're leading, one of the things you'll discover in life uh, is that almost nothing is purely good or purely bad. Uh, my family are church planters. And it only took about nine months after having uh, a uh, church building for us to wish we went back to not having one. Um, but, you, you know, even the story set like within a family. Um, so it's a. It is a uh, it, it's an important thing to recognize. And if you go to the macro, right, something that Tolkien didn't wrestle with because it hadn't come around yet. Think <laughs> of nuclear energy um, in right. one sense. It has the potential for uh, a much uh, healthier access to energy to provide all we need when it goes to that. But also Nagasaki and Hiroshima and the tension of global yeah. politics. Right. And so. Even if something's generated for a good intention, it ha it can have a dark side. And a lot of times leaders always want to tell and spin things like, here's the good reason I'm doing it. But we don't think like maybe a high quality partner and goes, yeah, but what about the trees? Right. And the what about the trees question being at the very foundation of Tolkien's creation story, like before humans get up, we needed a defender of it. Right. Then mm. I, I think you get why people go. um, uh, one of the big questions running through Middle Earth and something that uh, something that has disappeared in our age, but was in the before before ours mm -hmm. is what the defenders of the trees. Yeah. So what are what are we tasked with? Mm. Is it still necessary? I think so. Um, mm. And who's going to take responsibility to do it? Um, anyway. Yeah. 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 And, and I go back to thinking of kind of like the, the creation story in Genesis is like, what, what was the first commandment? Um, it wasn't like, um, you shall have no other gods. First commandment was there in Genesis. It's like, be, be, be fruitful and multiply, be good stewards and take care of, of creation. And so, uh, really that's, that's our, our high calling from there, from the get go, from the beginning. And, and I was thinking about this other day as a pastor and as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, um, as my relationship with my environment, I was thinking about how, like, I'm just a, a I'm just in a web of entangled relationships. Like I, that's, that's who I am. Who is Will? I'm, I'm just a entangled in a web of relationships. And so how do I take care of those relationships and creation? The trees is a big, is a big part of that here on Arbor Day, as we release this episode that our, our call is how do we take care of the environment around us? And, and as a shepherd of, of other people who are entangled in relationships with their families and friends and vocations and, and their, and their faith and their communities. It's like, how do we work together? And, and relationships aren't easy. It takes intention. It takes patience. It takes deliberation. You know, it's like, yeah, as Tripp said, it's like, you tell, all right, all right, 
you know, step up the tempo on your on your song, but maybe Treebeard's right. Like we need to take our time and be slower and be intentional and deliberate um, rather than rushing to, to certain um, decisions or actions that could um, hurt the other. Yeah, yeah. And it, just just as a quick like, hey, this is an important little like marriage lesson for people too. Maybe consult your partner before you create yeah, an entire yeah, yeah, race yeah, or yeah. species or make that kind of big of a decision, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they might have a good point. Yeah. I think you should um, probably do it before you buy a piece of furniture or an appliance. Um, or, or even new get like, yeah. New yeah, reservations for dinner. Yeah. yeah it's usually <laughs> just a good idea. <laughs> oh, man. So, so I actually I had one question sent in, sent in from someone when they heard we were doing an int episode. And I thought it was so good. I put it right here, smacked it in the middle of this outline. Um, could there have been an int from the lineage of the white trees from Tapirion? I'm just going to assume I'm saying it right, knowing that I'm probably not. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, Laurelin and Teleprion were the two trees in the land of Alinor, which is basically Eden. You know, the Laurelin was the gold tree. Teleprion was the white tree. They both emitted, emitted their own light. Um, and the people liked it so much when they left Valinor. Um, Yavanna or somebody, somebody made an imitation tree, basically, like Ilvatar, made it specifically for the elves. So that's Galathilion. Somehow, Galathilion just had a seedling, just a little seed fell off, something happened. Celeborn was made, so that's the second tree of this lineage. Um, someone went and took one of those seeds, planted Nimloth for the Numenorians. Um, and then when Numenor fell, which, by the way, was partially because of Saruman, who took that tree and burned it down just because. Didn't do any good for him. He just burned it, um, which is also part of why I think the stranger in Rings of Power could be Saruman, because he plays an important part of the story with the fall of Numenor. But whatever. Um, Isildur, you should know that name from Lord of the Rings and different stuff with the ring and all that. But if not, I won't spoil it for you. He, before Numenor fell took one of the seeds, ran away to Middle-earth, and he plants the first white tree of Gondor, Minas Ithil, which, you know, its seedling has Minas Anar, which was also Isildur who planted it at his brother's <laughs> graveside. Then the king Tarandor took it and planted Minas Tirith, which the whole entire important part of this is that whenever Aragorn finally won at the end of Lord of the Rings, he still felt defeated because the tree didn't come back to life. And he thought, I can't really be king. I can't really marry her without the tree being alive and him and Gandalf go above the city and find another seedling and replant it. So once again, there is a live white tree of Gondor. And the question is, could there have any point during this lineage or something, something happened that one of the white trees were an int, or maybe there's another seedling we don't know about. What do y'all think? Well, first of all, I felt like I was just sitting in church listening to like a biblical reading for the book of Numbers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Listen, is this one of the lectionary today? It's, a, it's an important genealogy. There. I told so you that, I like the numbers. Cool. I know. That was cool. And so were those some some of that mythology you just kind of um, talked about? Was that in Rings of Power? Was that some of the visions and some of the things that was going on that I saw going on? The Jesus, or is that something? Different? Some of it. They're taking their own kind of weird twist. In the first episode, the, they play with it and that montage mm -hmm. but yeah. since they can't really use the silmarillion it's kind of like what got talked about right uh, yeah, but right. you will it will have to happen at some point like the a tree from uh a tree will have to make an escape before the wave yeah. Uh, yeah. how to avoid spoilers but yeah. you know i think we saw the tree in numenor but they didn't call it anything but i'm not sure if that was the same isn't tree. it the, is it the same one you think that that leaves know. all fell when they were about yeah. to 
that makes sense. That's what I was trying to think. Like, I think it could be, but they didn't say. And I don't know if they didn't say because they couldn't say or because that's a different tree. Gotcha. So undetermined. <laughs> well, I want you to know that when you read that question, I just texted Nick because I was like, <laughs> is this even possible? Um, so this is the uh, phone a friend answer. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> From the top of my head. No, because both Ents and the two trees are offspring of Yavana. So if they aren't related in lineage, they are in parentage at least. So parentage. Uh, See, my my comeback though is some of the trees can become Ents just by being more lively. So maybe there was some seedling down the road that just kind of fell off somewhere and became a real lively tree. I don't know. It kind of seems far fetched. I know, but the uh, but why not? Why not? Yeah, watch why not? watch out. The, what if answer. the only Ent you meet in Rings of Power? is a white tree <laughs> that would be incredible i would laugh so hard <laughs> will well, see, you have any like, takes <laughs> no i don't i don't because i don't know that i don't know how about it i mean i i got through like the first five chapters of the similarian when i was uh over in, in iceland but i did get to the the creation of inspart so i was happy that i at least got to that chapter yeah. uh for this but i you know i think that's the uh the the fun stuff about systematic ecology is that we have friends we can text that are experts that are part of the show that we can <laughs> say hey we, we, reference, we don't need to look it up we just like hey uh, we got an idea or a thought or a question yeah. what do you think and we can just yeah. chat right in live that's great Nick's so cool um yeah. <laughs> all right all right so making it past that um as, as hard as it is to get past that, we we mentioned already some of the story of the intimate int wives involving some of this agricultural stuff um trip. Trip, do you want to summarize for everybody kind of the story of the int, the int wives and the gardening and all the stuff that went on there? Yeah, well, the the way I try to explain it when talking to people that are like, "What's up with the int wives?" is is to say like the ints you meet, they're the they're like the rowdy woodsy ones, you know, they're the ones that like uh, or they like to run around get caught. Asheville trees, they're like yeah, Asheville, North Carolina trees. They like to keep it weird <laughs> out in the woods yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the int wives are are if you think of the if the if the ends are like the stewards of the uh, of the wild woods and the trees and that kind of thing the ent wives have that same kind of relationship but it's with the garden right and um and i think of yeah. a part of what happens in uh in the because you know the ends have been here since the first stage right is uh eventually morgoth goes like uh like a slash and burn uh in in a, in a big old war and everywhere where the int wives were like in the cultivated gardens and part of uh taking at trying to eliminate uh civilization the human uh, human thriving like, what are you going to do like if they can't eat they can't have babies and then blah 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 so after that there's this p place where uh, a period of time where the ints are like well what's up what's where's our ladies at right like yeah. what's going on here and um as you piece it together through the stories as uh in silmarillion but also in treebeard you realize that for a long for early on they spent all this time trying to find the int wives like who were the people that were stewarding over here and they made little intlings um when they had little little baby babies i uh, just you saw <laughs> them in that one little flyover in rings of power a little yeah. int wife and a daddy ant and just holding a little baby I'm um, looking all cute. It's like Groot, yeah. but in Middle Earth. 
And, uh, and so the, you know, like a story of it is that the, you know, this wild space used to have a fruitful relationship, uh, with the cultivated space that generated the abundance for human life, but the system's gone out of whack. And what happened when it went out of whack, the protectors of the trees have turned more tree-ish. You know, he talks about his friends, uh, tree beard, his friends becoming more tree-ish. And then what happened, uh, to the agriculture, it actually created a society that then saw the wild places as places to dominate. Um, and in, in that you have this, this, uh, this, the disappearance of the entwives is also kind of a way of describing with their relationship, the disharmony at the, at the heart of industrial civilization. If agriculture in the garden, which is basically the cultivated backyards in the UK, they call them all gardens and people put a lot of time in them. You hang out in them and all this kind of stuff. Uh, uh, when 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 human civilization no longer sees wild spaces as things to protect, uh, but things to conquer and determine, then you get the disappearance of kind of the stewards of these two parts of, you know, by uh, of like plant life. And so you get this longing from uh, uh, from Treebeard. Like we used to look for them. Then we did, we stopped looking for them as often. And we keep hoping they're going to come back. And he thinks maybe they're just lost. Uh, yeah. And it the, was kind of assumed as they've been destroyed. Um, and I think that tension, what you hear in Treebeard, is a, a kind of longing that Tolkien's wrestling with uh, when you look at Europe after World War One. Beautiful farmland. Um, and forests are pillaged and turned into rows and rows filled with dead bodies. And it all gets destroyed for what? The stories we told ourselves about nation states and the promises we made to each other. And then there's a murder, Ferdinand, and it just opens up into this horrible thing. Um, And when you look at the end of it, at the dead bodies and the destroyed farms and land, and you go, um, you know, will we ever... You know, where the wives go, will we have new things again? Like, will we have new endlings and all that kind of stuff? I, that that tension in it is powerful. And the sad part is, right, our age, it we don't even know. We don't have ants or wives. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I honestly I loved and I always kind of wonder, did Treebeard kind of know and he just wasn't willing to accept it because, you know, he says this line, like I, I quoted during our um, Helm's Deep episode, there's this line where he's kind of like, yeah, I should have hoped that our last song would have been the one about the Endwise where we find them again. But instead, maybe our last song is this. We take out Saruman, the one who caused all this. And it kind of makes me wonder, did he actually know? Did he know that it was Saruman who took away the Endwives? And he's like, you know what? We're getting you, buddy. <laughs> You know, yeah. or at least yeah. putting a stop to what was happening. Maybe that's probably less because he let Saruman go. So I think it was less about revenge and more about let's stop this. Yeah, that's beautiful. Right, I, I the like whole the area that, gets turned into a new land for ants, right? Yeah. After, yeah. Uh, after the, you know, they flood uh, Saruman and, and all the area. Um, and at the end, when it's technically now, right, uh, uh, Aragon's place, then he makes it a home for ants and gives them uh gives them a uh, sovereignty over the land uh-huh. yeah. so if you're trying to ask yourself what does the wise king that was promised do uh it gives the ant sovereignty over land and mm. and if you the anyway i don't have to 
I'm just yeah. going to turn into oh, no, another I, Arbor Day sermon. I was digging it. I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> a great Arbor Day sermon. I, and I, and the fact that, you know, yeah, waters connect with that and water and new life and creation and recreation, all, all those things, um, I think is, is pretty. And I also like to think that sometime trips at a brewery, he's doing a live event and someone just walks up and goes, Hey man, what's up with the int wives? And he's like, ah, oh, I, I, I got you. I got you. Just a random question from a stranger. Dude, what's up with the end wives? He can, he can roll it off like that. That Arbor Day <laughs> yeah, but that just comes up sometimes. Yeah, it does. It comes uh, up. <laughs> I, um, I did want to give us all a chance because I had a quote I wanted to read. I want to give everybody a chance. If you had a quote or something from the ints, either about or from an int to share, you know, this is, this is a good time to do it. I, um, I'm going to start because I wanted to quote part of the song about the Int and the Int Wives. For those who don't know, the Ints were really prone to song. They were lyrically minded. They sung a lot. I think that's cool. also telling of what Tolkien thought about trees. But part of the song of the Int and the Int Wives, is, it's kind of this prophecy that one day they're going to kind of come back together. He'll see them again. Um, and, and even though we know that's not what happens, it's still really moving to hear kind of the passion of Treebeard of how he longs for the tree wives, especially when you think of some of what Trip just brought out about the significance and what maybe they symbolized. Um, so when winter comes and singing ends, when darkness falls at last, when broken is the barren bough and light and labor past, I'll look for thee and wait for thee until we meet again. Together we will take the road beneath the bitter rain. Together we will take the road that leads to the west and far away we'll find a land where both our hearts may rest. And there's just something beautiful about their their end time story being darkness. Everything took over, maybe. But in the bitterness, our hearts found each other still. And I, I don't know. I love that. So I had to bring it up. Well, I'll go. Yeah. I don't necessarily have a quote. I'll let uh, Trip go last with, with a quote. But I, for me, it's not necessarily a quote as much as it is a, a situation or an image. And I, and I do just I love the image of of the hobbits they are going we need you what's going on trying to figure out who they are and then and then they have like what what is the um like int council like meeting called int it's moot. called like int treats <laughs> int, int treats int moot int moot <laughs> int moot is the um oh. yeah yeah int moots so are the gatherings they come together and, and as a pastor of a congregation i've sat through long long uh committee meetings and long church worse council than meetings. robert's rules of order yeah, yeah, that's right. And you sit there and you're waiting, like, come on, the urgency is like, we need to do what we need to do. Come on. It's, now's not a time to like drag your feet or just stay rooted here. You got to get up and move. And so, but they're like, no, this is this is part of our culture and what we do. And we're going to come together and gather and deliberate. And even if it's not as fast or as um, quick as you want it, they're, they're going to make the the wise, right decision. So that you just sit with that a little bit longer. And, and there are times when I've wanted to hurry through a meeting or hurry through a council meeting, hurry through something. And, uh, but no, we need to take time with the way we, we talk about something or how we um, hmm. frame a question or language you use in our constitution or, or in our welcoming statement as as a congregation. Let's sit with this for a little while. Let's wordsmith it. Let's, let's take time with it. It takes the important things take time. And so that that for me, that whole situation of them being together and in, in moot. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I feel you. I feel you yeah. when it comes to that. Absolutely. All right. Um, OK, so my I think my favorite. Uh, my favorite bits are when he gives short retorts to the hobbits uh, when Treebeard does um, like one time uh, uh, Mary and Pippin, you know, are, are going on their uh, on their rant, trying to animate him. And they use the word never, you know, and he goes, never is too long a word, even for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and think of that like the guy, um, you know, he's 
he or Tom Bombadil are the oldest creatures in Middle Earth. <laughs> Yeah, who and came first? Who came first? It's a it's a lively debate because it right. says both. Um, right. <laughs> and then he and then he says a bit later he goes, um, "It is easier to shout stop than to do it." Mm. And I think like he ha- and I think part of it is, and they usually come where he's making points where there's a different wisdom with the scale of time that he's a part of. It gives you a mm. different perspective and a different. Uh, sense of urgency and crisis, a different kind of reflection and framing. And they're just so different from the hobbits, both in size, but also life experience and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and neither the, neither Mary nor Pippin nor the Ents end up doing what was required for the ring to ultimately be destroyed. If they didn't annoy the shit out of each other for a, a week or so. Right. I, so yeah. like, it, it, both are actually needed, but uh, as someone who uh, definitely leans on the they come in pints, let's do it quickly uh, side, <laughs> the tree beards retorts remind me of like wise elders. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the yeah, the the line that I th- for Arbor Day, which is done really well in uh, the film, too, is where he says, you know, where Mary and Pippin are like, well, whose side are you on? Right. Like, what is the main thing we want to know? You didn't kill us. You don't think we're an orc now. Well, whose side are you on? And he says, I'm not altogether on anyone's side because nobody is altogether on my side. If you understand me, nobody cares for the woods yeah. as I care for them. Not even elves nowadays. And yeah. like considering the, you know, the episode drop of this, I think part of what Treebeard invites us to do is to take as seriously our non-human neighbors as our human ones and in what ways do our relations with each other um, impact our non-human neighbors and what about our habits and patterns and consumptions uh, actually could lead the rest of creation which God has called good before we showed up um, to say that I'm not sure you're treating us that way you know since um, since I've been alive um, more species have gone extinct uh, than since the last ice age. Oh man! So who, uh, you know, and that is something to think about because what's being removed when you remove wild places are the very biospheres, ecosystems, and niches for life in its fullness of diversity. God spent millions of years bringing into being. We get rid of them for what? Things to feed cows so that we can eat an inordinate amount of beef and do it quickly and cheaply. Um, I mean, you you could go through the list. I'm not trying. I don't want everyone to feel guilty. I'm just saying, like, here's what I think his wisdom is, is um, we want to know, especially in a tribal time, whose side are you on? Are you on mine or are you on this? And there you get the wisest and oldest living thing in the world say, I don't think I'm right near on anyone's side. Right. Well, I just made him a Mm -hmm. southern it. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what the old yeah, oak trees Dogwood. in North America Dogwood. were saying at that yeah. time. That's the wild oak int yeah, that I was talking about. about <laughs> now I don't know if I'm right <laughs> near on anyone's side because I ain't seen anybody on my side, little hobbit. You know, <laughs> you, know you know, I'm glad you you ruined the seriousness of it at the end there because I was going to bring up my other thing that I love, and I've said it before. I just think the bit. And this is nothing. It's about patience. He has the patience and the length of words to make some things really, really funny. Like when he spends an extraordinary amount of time trying to think of what humans and hobbits call the things that are called hills. 
<laughs> he has this huge long word for it in Entish, and he's like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> he just keeps going and trying to figure it out. And he's like, and you know what? And then he gets upset at the end of it. He goes, you know what? What gave you the right to name it anyway? It was here before you were. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, man, Treebeard. Treebeard's got humor, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So so kind of getting back to back to what you were talking about, though, um, you're talking about some of really the point of no one's on the tree side. No one's doing this. And earlier, Trip, even you mentioned um, how I'm trying, I'm trying to think of how, how you worded this. Um, but but basically the ints are gone. Now, what do we do? So, I, I, you know, I would think that Tolkien's call for us and I would imagine what Will brought up earlier, God's call to us is to be the shepherds of the trees, to be the shepherds of one another and how we take care of nature as well. How do we how do we practically and I know Trip and I talked for a while, so I'll let, I will will go first and Trip warm up. Will how do we better shepherd the trees? Mm, on Arbor Day, what a question, huh? Um, yeah, I mean, you could give like cliche answers, like go go plant a tree, go do that. But but I think it's also um, you could uh, invest in those um, companies that that are taking care of creation, and then divest in in those that aren't. You know. I think it. I think it is important um, that in terms of how we live, that we understand where they're in this kind of symbiotic relationship with the trees. And as Trish said, they were here before us, before humans ever came. You know, on the stages of the days of creation, the the year million years of creation. In terms of, they were here way before us. That life was the, the earth was teeming with life before us. And and most likely, even if we. Um, destroy to earth with with nuclear weapons uh, life will find a way and it'll continue to mm. exist after us just in a different way so uh, knowing that our kind of um we have a limited time here what how do we take care of the creation around us and then also fight or change the change the systems that that got us here in the in the first place i think there's some systemic mm. things we really need to look at other than just like i'm gonna go out and plant a tree well what, there's mm. some systemic things out there that really need to change um for for us to to repair the earth of what we've done to it um and so yeah, yeah that's where i am right now yeah trip i mean the the one of the things that treebeard does um when he's coming to grips with um how things have changed both uh saruman having turned against him and been dubious at stealing his wisdom to the growing industrial war machine and its impact uh the growth of Saruman and all that uh, um, and, and kind of darkness. Uh, now, I'm not sure Tolkien meant it this way, but in uh, Treebeard has this line when he when the when he's getting the updates from the hobbits and you know event, apparently gets it from Gandalf the White later. Uh, he says the world is changing. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth, and I smell it in the air. And in so part of I think asking that question is to actually attend to um those kind of uh answers and when we look at earth water and air uh, it's still a live thing yeah i'm um i'm i'm going to you know i told you guys i'm, I'm like the stereotypical tree hugger these days i'm i'm going to say i personally think the best thing you can do and this is whether you're shepherding people or trees is to build relationships um i for like i mentioned earlier i i like to go hiking that place cumberland island it's a national park um, when Donald Trump was in office, at one point, the federal government was basically threatening to to t- sell some of the national park away. 
and there was petitions and all kinds of stuff came up. And I said, you know what? I'm actually cared enough to sign some petitions to look up how I can be involved in what I do. And it's because I had a relationship with that place. Um, I'd say the same thing applies just in general. If you actually go out in nature and you spend time with these things and you look up how we can do better, you build that relationship and you care enough that when something does come up, you can do, you might actually do it. Yeah, there's a book out there called The Last Child in the Woods. Um, I haven't read it, but I know that the director of the camp that I go to read it and suggested it. It's like part of part of this is that um, getting out in, in nature and creation itself and experiencing the trees and, and building a relationship and your love for that will uh, um, will grow and, and have an impact on terms of how you treat it and one another. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Man. And there's so many more, there's so much more we could say about the trees and the ants and the horns and how we today in the fourth age can better take care of our planet. But we're going to leave that for you, for you to find out what to say, do the work, build the relationships, shepherd the trees. Yeah. With, and with that, we're going to jump right into our wrap up. We're going to start with some recommendations. Um, and the first thing I would recommend is Find a national park or an area that you really like. Go to a local bookstore near it and pick up a book about that place. I have a couple books about Cumberland Island and stories of pirates and settlers and different people who had been to the place and the whole history of it. And it really adds to the value for me. So that's something that I really love. Um, Will, did you have anything you wanted to recommend for everybody? Yeah. I mean, I don't mean this in any kind of offensive way, but go take a hike. Take a hike, man. <laughs> Get out there, walk yeah. among yeah. the trees. Notice what's going on uh, with the trees and 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 the and the life that that is there in the midst of them and uses that as their as their habitat. And I, I think it's it's really important on Arbor Day to think about those things. And yeah, we use in this particular podcast with systematic ecology, we use like a geeky um, IP or a fandom that uh, is fun and entertaining, but yet again, it, it opens a window and holds up a mirror for us to look at what's around us and our situation and our relationships and, and our stewardship and shepherding of, of creation. And so Tolkien definitely did that with the Ents. And so a great topic for today for us to lift up and, and, and think about. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, with that, we, we lost our guest along the way. Um, they both, for kid-related reasons, had to step out. We lost Brandon early on, as you may have noticed. I might have cut this, but I probably didn't because I wanted to plug his podcast again. Go check out Brandon Knight at My Seminary Life. Great show. Part of our, our network that we're a part of, the Anazal Ministries Podcast Network. So be, you know, be sure to check out all the shows over there. And Trip does Homebrewed the Theology. Is that right? Homebrewed Theology? Homebrewed Christianity. Christianity. I knew Homebrewed. that wasn't right. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Homebrewed, Homebrewed Christianity. Christianity. Um, and he's part of the Tolkien heads. He does a bunch of other stuff. If you honestly, if you just look up trip fuller, you'll find a ton of stuff that you can follow him on. Yeah. And also recommend, yeah. Talking heads with, with, uh, one of our, our co-hosts, Nick and trip, they've done a lot of good right around when rings of power is coming out. They were talking, um, all kinds of great things when it comes to that. And then Nick has his own sub stack and his, they're, they're both, um, Tolkien scholars. So if you have any questions about that, they definitely are, are resources. If you want to um, understand more about the Tolkien verse. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you want to hear more from us, you can go to systematicgeekology.org. There's a drop down menu that says host. You'll see my name. You'll see Will's name. You'll see Nick's name. There's also a guest tab. You can see um, there's also a previous host tab. So you can see Brandon stuff on the guest tab. You can also see if Trip ever comes back on the show. He'll be on there again. 
you know so well, just we'll make it keep happen. looking out it'll be a fun time yeah and guys we just want you guys to to do a couple things let us know if you're geeking out on anything go to the website let us know we want to hear about it rate and review the show on Podchaser or wherever you're listening spotify apple Podcasts is fine too we do prefer Podchaser. and of course we want you to remember that we're all a chosen people a geekdom of priests This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.